Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. back everyone for another segment of forward 40 i'm pleased to be here with a former classmate of mine um, all around amazing woman amber scott who is the founder and executive director of leap year here in atlanta so i guess we're going to jump right in um amber if you could speak more to what inspired you to start the organization what's in the name of the organization yeah absolutely so um excited to be here leap year is a new nonprofit organization we're just about three years old and we were founded on the premise that we know we have so many talented low-income and first-gen students who should be going on to graduate college and have amazing careers and opportunities but unfortunately um, are not getting to the finish line, right? And a lot of that is due to readiness. Um, and so Leap Year, we are a paid community service gap year program for low-income and first-gen students. So they spend one year with us between high school and college getting ready to succeed in college, but then also serving as mentors and tutors to second grade students and serving, uh, doing that community service. And so the name Leap Year kind of came around by the idea of how can we use this year as a springboard for mm. our talented students to kind of leap right nice. <laughs> into these new I opportunities? Was like, Are you a leap year baby? Or? <laughs> no, no, although one of our leap year fellows, that's what they're called, was born on leap year. Wow. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that was a nice coincidence. We're like, we're you were meant to be in the program. <laughs> But yeah, so so that's kind of uh, what we do, and we got founded because I am the child of first-generation college graduates, and so ever since I was a child, my parents, and especially my mom, really instilled the importance of higher education, and how it was only through higher education that she was able to move our family from Flint, Michigan, to the suburbs of Boston, to really have all of these opportunities where I then, you know, the, the narrative in our family kind of shifted from are you going to college to what college are you going mm-hmm. to? And yeah. so how that ability to be the first in your family to successfully graduate college really can shift a whole family. Um, and if we can shift a family and more families, then we can shift a community and mm-hmm. we can shift a nation. And so uh, the work is really exciting and um, it's really a joy to kind of watch our students grow and, and gain confidence and get the skills that they need to succeed. Well, I, I mean, thank you for that. And I, I appreciate the work that you're doing because um, my introduction into the nonprofit sector was in the education space. And a lot of just around like education reform and college access and persistence, um, I really appreciated that we were shifting the narrative and exposing students to an option and a possibility that they probably were not exposed to and just like opening their eyes and their minds to um, more advancement beyond uh, what they may have been exposed to. And what you're doing is allowing for that time for them to reflect and 
be more prepared so it's not as um, like the, the pressure isn't as as much. Yeah. So exactly. what has I guess like been the the learn with that in terms of like pacing it so that they don't feel as overwhelmed as first generation students. Exactly, because college is really tough. I don't know it about is. you, but my uh, first semester at Smith, I was on the phone with my mom like Absolutely. every night. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and so college is really tough and especially if you don't have folks to lean on who know how tough it is and know, you know, like when I got my first bad exam at Smith, I called my mom in tears. I was like, "College isn't for me." And she's like, "Yeah, it is. You need to take your butt to office hours." Like, mm -hmm. this is what you do. And so, you know, we're trying to create that community for our students because in, in the field, everyone agrees that wealthier, more privileged students are more prepared for college than our kids. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that that's the case, then why is the narrative seamless enrollment that you should just go straight to college even mm -hmm. though we know you're less prepared? So the way we kind of ease them into that experience is in the fall, we spend a lot of time... Um, reviewing study habits, reviewing note-taking, reviewing active listening, you know, mm -hmm. all of those basic fundamental skills. Um, we practice that by uh, having them take the ACT exam okay. again, right? Because most of our students have taken the exam, but they didn't score as well as they could have. And so we use the ACT exam as a tool. Mm -hmm. On average, we see our ACT scores go up by two to three points each wow. year. Um, and so it's really because in high school, our kids are taking the ACT while they're in school, while they have sports, mm -hmm. while they have an afternoon job, like, but while they is, have family life, while they have family life, yes. while they have other things going on at home, you know? And so during leap year, they're able to focus completely on their academics mm -hmm. and really understand what it takes to study for an exam, to prepare for an exam, to show up with your whole self at an exam. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's a big focus in the fall. And then in the spring, they actually take an English class for credit at Georgia State wow. through leap year. Yeah. And so they get the experience of you get a real life college class. Um, you get the credits for it. But you're not taking four or five classes at once. Mm -hmm. You're taking this one class and you're still in leap year. So uh, my program managers will actually say, hey, if you guys want, I'll read your essay and do edits before you give it to your professor. So they can really uh, kind of baby step into what being a college student is. So then after they graduate from leap year and they go on and they're full-time students and they're taking four or five mm -hmm. classes, they have a better sense of what that's going to be like instead of like, oh, I just know it's going to be hard and not really having a yeah. sense of what that means. Mm -hmm. And then the, the service component, mm -hmm. uh, they're a part of national service? Uh, no, so we um, partner with a local elementary school, okay. and so they do 20 hours a week. Um, so Monday through Friday, they're in the classroom helping a second grade teacher by serving as like a reading coach. Nice. So they work with second grade students. Um, in small groups, but then also in one-on-one, -on -one, really trying to help them get those literacy skills up. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we work with second graders is because studies show that if you're not reading on grade level by third grade, your likelihood of even graduating high school, let alone going to college, decreases drastically. And so, um, you know, our theory of change is if we can impact these second graders and by the end of second grade have them much closer to being on grade level when they go into third grade, they'll be more prepared to actually meet those goals so that they'll be on a better path. And then in, in addition, um, you know, our leap year fellows look like them. <laughs> they look like their students. They look like older brothers and older sisters. And that relationship of an 18 and 19 year old 
coming in and saying, hey, reading's important. Going to school's important. You see me every day when I leave here, I'm working at, you know, going to college. Mm -hmm. That sets in their mind the importance of like, oh, someone who looks like me and is young and cool, you know, uh, also wants to go to college. And, and they see themselves more in that way, which hopefully also helps put them on the path to, to doing what they're going to be doing. Absolutely. Now, um, you shifted from being in the nonprofit sector to being full-on entrepreneur and still being <laughs> yes. in the nonprofit sector as a social entrepreneur. Yes. And I another plug, um, because Amber, as I said, is amazing. Uh, she's also 2018 Echoing Green. Yes. yes. Also been recognized to... Black Enterprise as well? Yeah, yeah, that I was mean, amazing. <laughs> it's just great to know you. <laughs> so what was that shift like to go from being within a, a predefined space mm -hmm. to then defining the space to execute your vision? Yeah, and I think it was just because I had been in the nonprofit sector so much and had learned from so many amazing leaders, um, but I was also seeing these problems that were just nagging at me, right, and saying, like, there's something not working here. Like, we all kind of keep uh, doing the same things. Let's try something new. And so that was really um, what got me thinking was this disconnect around readiness. And so... I, I felt comfortable taking the dive into becoming an entrepreneur because I knew the space well and I kind of knew what it was going to take in order to raise the dollars, have set up the systems and operations. I knew uh, who in Atlanta I needed to start having conversations with. I had heard of Echoing Green and some of these other amazing accelerator programs and you know, started talking to people who were Echoing Greenfells and, hey, give me advice. How do I you know, put myself in a position to to win an amazing fellowship. And it took a lot of patience and persistence. Yeah. I applied to Echoing Green three times before I got in. <laughs> so. Now, run, run, that, run that back again. Yeah. You applied three, three times. times. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't until the third time that I made it in. So it is a lot of taking no's. And, and maybe sometimes a no is supposed to be a no and it's good for you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes a no is a not yet. Mm -hmm. And it's just you've got to have opportunity. I think that... When I won Echoing Green, um, it was actually really the right time. <laughs> and that really, uh, really worked well with where we were in the organization and put us in a better position than had we won it when we were younger and were less prepared to actually have that grant. Um, and that fellowship. So, yeah, it's been really amazing gaining, um, you know, the traction that we have and um, being part of amazing communities like Echoing Green and, um, yeah, and, and really being able to build community here in Atlanta so that we can do what we need to do to continue to grow and scale. Now, how, um, I guess it, it's great that you have been able to transfer the experience that you gained to see how to address this issue um, how has it been for you to, I guess, build up the sense of collegiality amongst other nonprofits within this space? Because um, I, I have even found, like, when I was in the education space, like, sometimes it may feel like you're vying for the same dollars, uh, yeah. the same grants, or um, that you are, you know, kind of over saturating <laughs> the students you know in a way that they are getting programming from you from an, a peer organization right. and that there's others that are being left out 
Yeah, and it's it is just there, so the good news is that there's a lot of attention about college and college equity and college readiness and college access. Uh, but to your point, that also means there's lots of organizations in the space, right? And so how do you kind of a carve out your niche and then b find ways to work together? Um, and I think really it's about finding like-minded partners. Um, there have been some partners who I'm like, oh, I would love to work with them, but you know we're we're not able to kind of align right now and that's okay but there are other partners who've been amazing they're like we love what you do and we want to support you and figure out how to do that so Georgia State for example is a really great partner of ours um, because they are the leaders in graduating first generation college students and so when they heard about Leap Year they're like yeah whatever we can do we built an MOU together and so we have a contract so that we're going to work together right so they've been amazing um, we are actually housed in another nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, so it's called Vox Teen Communications, and their mission is to really give teens a voice in um, uh, reporting and in sharing their stories and in poetry. So they have um, podcasts, they have videos, they do articles and newspapers, and they were like, "We love what you do, and you know, we're all about teen empowerment. We can work together." So we're actually housed in Vox. And then there's tons of amazing nonprofits like College Aim, um, you know, who also is helping students get to college. But because uh, the founder, Sam Alinikoff, is like, I know some kids who aren't ready and would do so well with the leap year. Let's work together to try to, you know, refer kids to you. So it's really about just sometimes it takes a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and effort to try to find those partners, but they're out there. Uh, partners who say, yeah, this work is important and we've got to all work together if we're all trying to have this big impact. That is awesome. Like the the synergy and mm-hmm. more of the synergy and less of the competition. Exactly. Exactly. Which is what we need in this yes. space. <laughs> um, how do the students find out about Leap Year? Yeah, so we rely heavily on um, teachers, more so now teachers and counselors. We, we work with counselors, but we're finding that Usually the typical ratio is one counselor to every 300, 400 students. And so we're starting to shift because, you know, the counselors are amazing and they care, but there's only so much you can do with those sorts of ratios. So now we're really focusing um, our energy on spreading the word through teachers, teachers who teach seniors, who see those kids every single day and are like, they know the kids who would benefit from this Mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And then also from other like-minded nonprofits who equally, you know, of course they're trying to get kids to college but they also know some kids uh, would really benefit from this extra year. And so um, those have been our two main ways of getting the word out to students is through um, teachers and then also other nonprofits and word of mouth. We've gotten a few students who uh, they their friend was a leap year fellow. And it's like, wow. oh, I want to try that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a thing. Yeah, we're starting to be a thing. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. So um, it's, like being in this space where the nonprofit sector, uh, for those that are not in it, um, or for those that are, it, it tends to be like heavily dominated with women. And when you and I spoke previously, I told you um, that I admire that your founder, uh, executive director, a woman, a woman of color, a black woman, and your team are women. Yeah. Like how, <laughs> I, I guess, <laughs> for those that may be um, curious on like how can they flex or strengthen their leadership skills, like what has been your biggest learn um, 
in, in leading other women? Yeah, well, uh, I think the advice that my mother gave me um, earlier in my career was the best leaders are the folks who bring um, people smarter than them in a room and they're on their team. If you're a good leader, you should never be the smartest person in the room, right? So as a leader, you know, your goal is to uh, set the direction, right? Um, support your team and help talented folks do what they do well, right? Help them elevate themselves in their work. But that's really been my, my secret is hiring really talented, smart folks and and really just trying to be supportive of them and help us as a group um, work towards a goal. And I'd say another piece of advice, and this is something, of course, that I struggle with too, uh, still, is I think a lot of women especially... Um, we're really hard on ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I struggle with this myself. I'm sure, you know, my fiance would be over here like, really, Amber, you're telling people not to be hard on themselves. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, as, as women, we really set these standards um, that, number one, men definitely don't <laughs> have for themselves. Uh, and, and, you know, we kind of only feel this sense of accomplishment if we've, you know, done everything perfectly. And so I'm a big fan of, you know, fake it till you make it like just keep moving forward and you know your best is enough <laughs> and as long as you're doing something you know with integrity and that you believe in and you're and you're working hard towards it just really um you know feel proud of that absolutely absolutely and sometimes you just have to take that leap mm -hmm. <laughs> um and just make it happen yeah uh, and even when it's a little unnerving mm -hmm. and you're unsure mm -hmm. just really going with the process yeah. that things are going to align in the way that yeah. it's intended to yeah you've got to trust the process and have some faith that's sort of the being a social entrepreneur an entrepreneur at all you mm -hmm. know you've just got to put yourself out there and just like what I usually say to my team is we're building the plane as we fly it. So <laughs> you're going to fly the, this plane, but we're also going to build it. It's going to work out. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get there safely. Just trust that we'll figure it out on the way. <laughs> yes. 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 And it takes a, a level of, um, self-awareness. Yeah. Um, that in just in hearing what you have imparted, on being a leader, like there, it's a level of self-awareness that you have to know that, okay, there's going to be things that I don't know. Yeah. And I need people around me that know those things that I don't know. Right. Uh, and it's only going to strengthen us as a whole, as a collective towards this mission. Exactly. Because, you know, my favorite bosses have never been the ones who knew everything. <laughs> so never been my favorite leaders or bosses, you know. Uh, I, I think it's really about, um, you know, as a team, we need to balance each other. There's going to be things that people... Um, you know, bring that you had no idea even existed, right? And and would never have thought that way. But that's what allows for creativity. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you don't have to, to be a great leader to be a great performer, even if you're not a leader, just to be a great performer. You don't have to feel like you have to know everything and be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. Just do what you do really well and then be open to listening to others' ideas. And then refining it as you go Exactly, on. yeah. Um. So for those that have a um, special place in their heart for the, the younger generation, <laughs> um, what has been the most um, impactful moment that you have experienced with the youth that you've worked with? 
That's a a hard one because I really love all of my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not necessarily picking one. Yes. (laughs) By name. (laughs) But I will say, so we uh, recently, just in May, uh, graduated our most recent cohort. Uh, So for leap year, what graduation means is you've successfully completed our program, you're going on to college. And so we recently had um, our graduation in May and we had an alum return uh, who had graduated in 2017. Uh, so he came back to join us. Um, actually, he graduated in 2018, sorry. And um, so we had him share a little bit about his journey in college, and he was talking about how in high school he really wanted to go to college, but he just didn't feel like he could, like he didn't know enough, and no one in his family had gone. He felt really unsure, and his ACT score wasn't very high. And so through Leap Year, we were able to help him raise his ACT score and enroll in college. And so he is at Georgia State and just finished his first year. And um, and I was so proud of him. And then he even added that he founded a club <laughs> on campus. Look at you inspiring. He, right. And, <laughs> and it like really touched me because, uh, so he founded a film club. He's the president. They have a charter. They have officers. And <laughs> I was so impressed. And I said, oh, what got you this idea? And he said, well, you know, Amber, you share that when you were in college, you started a club at your college campus. And I didn't even know that there were clubs at college. But when you told me about that and told me like this is an opportunity and you really get involved on campus I was like yeah let me do it and they have 20 members and they shoot YouTube little videos and movies and I'm just like so proud of him (laughs) that it was really great watching him from you know the the kind of uh, he wasn't shy, but he was uh, lacked some confidence in high school. So mm-hmm. when he was coming out of high school, just kind of that, um, you know, not really sure of himself to this now young man who's president of a club and, <laughs> you know, doing all of these amazing things. And so I really enjoyed watching him on that journey and being, you know, supporting him and all of our other students as they kind of grow into themselves and, and take advantage of opportunities that are there for them. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. That to just see that trajectory, um, and like when you started the process, you probably would, didn't even imagine um, that that you would have that much of an impact on no. one student. You <laughs> right. know, that now has a club that he started, right? That has twenty members. Right. That you know, it's we we tend to underestimate. Mm-hmm. the amount of impact that we have on just one yeah. and the ripple effect that that then right. has on, on other people. Right, right. And and that's what's great is because, you know, he is showing this leadership and he is uh, going to go on and graduate from college and what that's going to do for his family, right? And his younger mm-hmm. brother who looks up to him and who's now thinking about college and, you know, and, and all of the, like you said, that ripple of like who is impacted by each one of the Correct. folks who grow so yeah it's, it's really amazing to kind of watch that and, and very humbling that I got to have some hand in mm-hmm. in helping um, you know this young man achieve his potential now in terms of um, the the impact wh- what would you say is the narrative or paradigm shift that you're hoping leap year is able to um, affect I, I think the shift is really about 
low-income and first-gen students should have the same opportunities as um, wealthier, more privileged students. And so if we know that wealthier and privileged students are prepared for college, <laughs> then, then low-income students should have the same opportunity to be prepared. They should have the same opportunity to have a community of folks who they can call um, who've been to college and know how to advise them, right? They should have the same opportunity to be prepared and know when you go to class, this is what's going to be expected of you. And so if we're all sitting in a college lecture, but only like certain kids know really what to do <laughs> and how to handle that, you know, is that really fair? Is that an equitable, um, you know, society that we're living in? And so I really want to shift the narrative of, I think we're all on the same page that everyone deserves the opportunity to go to college. Um, but what, what Leap Year is trying to do is shift the narrative on, it doesn't need to be seamless enrollment. It needs to be everybody's prepared. So for those students who um, are first-gen students, but they are prepared, sure, seamlessly enroll. Like, I want you to do it. I want you to go there and be successful. But if you aren't prepared, then it sh we shouldn't be rushing you into college just yeah. to get you there, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so that's really what we're trying to address is this readiness. You know, we've got um, third grade students in Atlanta, and this is pretty typical in um, big cities like this. Um, only about 40% are reading on grade level, right? So by third grade. And then in eighth grade, we're seeing that only like maybe 45% are doing math on grade level. Yet somehow... 80% are graduating. <laughs> so, you know, so it's this this acknowledgement of our students are graduating, but they're graduating unprepared for college. Mm -hmm. So let's do something to address that instead of just kind of like overlooking it. And you're addressing it both academically, but then also the socio-emotional yes. um, component. So, and, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I also love the, the dual mission of service that's embedded yes. in it. You know, that they are able to um, be uh, the recipient of mm -hmm. a model that is serving them and their future, and mm -hmm. then also being able to do that for exactly. the next generation as Exactly, well. and it's really fun watching them build relationships with these second graders and seeing that, wow, this student can now read this sentence, and it's partly because of me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I've had an impact on this student, and... Uh, and the how empowering that is to what you what you're saying. This is an interesting time in their lives where they're going from, okay, you've graduated high school and now they think they're grown. I'm grown. And so like it's trying to help them get into that mindset of like, okay, you're grown, you have to give back and be a leader, right? That's what the you know, being grown, setting a strong example for the next generation. So yes, we are serving you, but you're also serving and so you can also share that with the next uh group and watching them grow and mature through that is really fun yes i i definitely um applaud you um and your team yes there's a lot of, of us of women <laughs> yes <laughs> that are that are making this happen um so amber as you know we like to close each segment with a tea affirmation for our listeners so what would be your tea affirmation for um, the audience to hold on to to the next thing. yeah I think my tea affirmation is a short one it is just you are enough and keep pushing forward you are enough keep pushing forward I love that I love it um, and for those that would like to stay in contact and learn more about the work that you're doing 
and support yes uh, the work that you're doing how could they do that yes i'd love to be in touch um the best way is uh you know check out our website which is uh the leapyear.org the you have to have the in front the leapyear.org uh but then you can also reach me directly on my email uh which is leapyearusa at gmail.com and i'm amber scott so feel free to write me a note to say hey amber love what you're doing more. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we, we'd love to stay in touch um you know we have opportunities for volunteers and oh, um you know really it's important that we have folks who come and share their experience mm-hmm. with our students so uh yeah, I would love to be in touch. Hope to hear from you guys out there. And this is for people that want to stay connected, even if they're not in the yeah. greater Atlanta area. Yeah, even if you're not in greater Atlanta, we've had some folks Skype in to our students okay. and just kind of talk about their career, talk about what college was like for them, give us uh, advice. So, yeah. Nice. So there are virtual opportunities, <laughs> yes. so no excuses. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Um, continue to push forward in the work that you're doing. And I'm so glad to know you um, and to also see the growth from when you were starting to where you are now. And I really look forward to seeing where you are five years from now. Thank you. Yeah, I I really love um, what you're doing and appreciate being included in this. Of course I had to highlight you. (laughs) So thank you. Until we connect again. Sipsis, Sela, share and continue to serve.